Mitchell. Oh, I almost got, I almost like cried because, so this song's called Tears in the Rain and it plays during this monologue at the end of Blade Runner and the guy who died, um, who played that character with like the, he like has like the bleach blonde hair and he gives this like monologue that he kind of wrote and improv on the spot for that movie and it's huh. like the most iconic part of the movie is his monologue at the end and it like ends with him saying like time to die or something and then it's called tears in time the rain to die. and it's like he just he's like time Pizza time to die and it's like he died in real life it's like really sad oh really yeah he's like di- soon after he that like, movie no he died very recently oh so i was like oh yeah i was yeah. seeing stuff about that yeah. on facebook like some guy from i thought it was the director i kind of want to make you watch it right now right now yeah can't right now why because we're doing a podcast yeah true <laughs> um oh you're recording i see it in your the reflection <laughs> of your glasses you got me i, I actually kind of thought you knew no i actually didn't time. no yeah well see that's that's um now people know how obsessed with blade runner i am yeah oh literally God. two episodes in a row it's so good <laughs> one of these i've days always I'll liked them yeah. but I've, as i'll of admit this, like, i have on. I have not seen it. I have not seen the first one, and I have not seen the second one. I really, whenever you're ready, I wanna, I wanna watch them. Okay. And I, when I first watched them, I'll be honest. I remember thinking the first one was a little boring, but I really liked it. Uh, it's just like one of those movies that grow on you. And then I remember I rewatched it, and for some reason, the second time I watched it, it was kind of like a Pulp Fiction. Where mm. the first time I watched Pulp Fiction, I was like, eh. second time I watched, it, I was like, whoa. And I remember I watched Blade Runner again, and I was not bored for one second in that movie. And I think it's because I got to a point where I started appreciating... You matured um, in your... Yeah, I started um, not just looking at movies for a story, but um, even though it's like what's important to me, but I was appreciating the sets, how practical a lot of the things were, how it was made, um, just the setting, the music, and the cinematography, just like noticing every aspect about it and it there's so many things to notice in the world while you're watching it and you see something new every time and a lot of it's like it's kind of like lord of the rings where they built these minis that were like well minis but they were big and they used it and like filmed it for the scenes and stuff and it's just so incredible and blade runner 2049 did the same thing it was very practical i mean it used cgi when it needed to but it was it had the same spirit of the original and it came out in 2017. And that's amazing that a movie like that came out. And of course it didn't do super well in the box office, just like the original, yeah. the original one also bombed, uh, but they're so amazing and I'll just love them. And I, uh, wholeheartedly believe they're the best sci-fi movies ever made. So, Oh, well, or my favorite at least. I mean, I would be totally on board with that. Cause I'm kind of tired of the whole star Wars versus star yeah. Trek thing i'm like there's gotta be better sci-fi than this you would i think you i really feel like you'd appreciate it especially because you like early ridley scott movies Mm -hmm. and this is like in his prime gladiator is definitely in my top five that's my second favorite movie from him and one of my favorite movies of all time yeah uh and blade runner is above it that was like the first gladiator was the first like epic um like R-rated film that I ever saw. I think same here, actually. I watched it pretty young, and I remember feeling cool because my parents didn't care that I was watching an R-rated movie. Yeah. My friend Lucas Berrickman was like, dude, this is like 
This is like a fantastic movie. There's like we're gonna watch it. There's like blood and crap, and it's really cool. I remember I made my parents watch it. Really? And like they had never seen anything like huh. it either. My parents are very um usually pretty like conservative kinda with in terms of their media intake. Yeah. They don't like They've actually grown a lot more used to, like, language and stuff. Uh Uh-huh. They don't like, you know, like, sexual stuff. My mom gets a little really upset about, like... Yeah. Like, any immodesty. She gets upset if there's a woman showing cleavage and such. And um, she... Definitely, at the time, my parents were not used to seeing so much blood and gore. And I wasn't thinking about that. I was just like... This is a really good movie. Wasn't thinking about like any of the violence or anything at yeah. all. Just thinking about the whole storyline and how great it was. And I was like, there's no sex in it. And there's yeah. no <laughs> immodest women or anything. They'll love it. Yeah, for and real. I don't know. They they definitely have come a long way since then. So maybe I think at least yeah. my dad would be like, Yeah, it was it was a decent movie. Nice. But definitely at the time, like after the movie, they were like Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's this scene where, a, uh, like, this female soldier gets her body cut in two. Oh, yeah. By a, the thing on the chariot. We um watched that clip for, as part of a training video. I'm doing air quotes uh, at what? Wilbur <laughs> to demonstrate teamwork. Oh, like that whole scene. Yeah, in oh, the okay. Coliseum where they're I like working. You're seeing that particular clip. I mean, they like, show. Watching it no. over I mean, and over. that clip was in it, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's like, geez, but yeah, so it was it was insane. But he was like using that clip as a demonstration of teamwork, and he was like, "I just wanted to watch a clip of Gladiator." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "I like this place." <laughs> That's so great. That's like when my uh, well, my one of my previous pastors used a scene from Lord of the Rings as an illustration, and I was like, they used the scene with Frodo and Sam at the end of Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, where he's like, "I'm coming with you," and I'm like. Geez, I didn't. I wasn't prepared to cry today. <laughs> yeah, for real. I love that scene, but yeah, uh, Ridley Scott is a, for the most part, pretty competent director. Um, I know his more recent like Alien sequels haven't been yeah. terrific. He's um, he's struggled recently, and I oh, and there was the uh, all the money in the world. Yeah, that I never saw. I never did either. I heard it was all right. Um, I've heard mostly bad reviews. About yeah, it. I know that Kevin Spacey was supposed to be in. Oh yeah, he got reshot. Completely, reshot with Martin hilarious. Lando. Um, but which is weird because like Martin Lando does not seem like a Kevin Spacey replacement, but well, yeah, I kind of agree. Um. Also, I kind of remember thinking, like, Ridley Scott helped produce Blade Runner 2049, but I sadly remember, after I watched it, I remember being like, I'm really glad he didn't direct this, because it wouldn't have been this good. You don't Um, think so? I don't think so, no. Hmm. Uh, Denis Villeneuve is probably tied for my favorite director working right now. He's done... Let me pull out the letterbox, because I want to list more than... Letterboxed. Letterboxed. Um... It's hard to say sometimes because it comes out as this letterbox. So, um, so he directed Arrival. He directed Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Sicario, Prisoners, Enemy. He's going to direct the new Dune. Um, he's just, he's made 
a movie every year for the past five years or so, and they've oh. all been great. Like all of them have been great. I've never seen any of them. You I wanted. I wanted to see Arrival. Oh, you didn't I've see Arrival? That was fantastic. <laughs> I would honestly say watch every movie he's directed the hmm. past two years. They're all like really good, hmm. and I think he's on his way to being like one of the best directors right now. Like so huh. good. Um, and all of his movies are pretty different too. Like he, and I don't know. I was just really glad when I heard he was doing Blade Runner and. He was perfect for that movie, and hmm. Ridley Scott helped produce it, um, but it would have been, I don't think it would have been as good if he had directed it, because yeah. Denis Villeneuve is just like a new, fresh mind, and he wanted to, um, and I know I'm going on another Blade Runner rant, but he wanted to not just make a sequel, but he wanted to add more to the world, because in real time, how many years it's been since the first movie, that's how many years have passed. It's like a Toy Story 3 situation, you know? Yeah. So, but he makes it to where it um, logically advances. So, technology, how they thought, because Blade Runner, the first one, takes place in 2019, actually. And it was made in the 80s. What? So, it's like everything (laughs) is all analog looking. 2019's not anywhere (laughs) near what Blade Runner looks like. Freaking idiot. But he um, wanted to logically advance technology from how that movie looked. Like, if it advanced from that movie, no, not making it look, like, futuristic to us. It's still, it's it's interesting and hmm. really clever and well done. And I, I wonder if Ridley Scott would have thought to do something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I he feel like he would have just kept it very samey. I feel like he would have tried to make it a little more action-oriented. Especially thinking know. of, like, Alien Covenant. I feel like he just wouldn't have the... I have a the feeling gall to do the same pacing as the first movie. I have a feeling that Ridley Scott does not really care about making these sequels. I think it's another yeah. case of Hollywood wanting more, you know, reboots. Yeah, totally. And I, I bet when he heard they wanted to do another Blade Runner movie, I bet he was like, oh, God. <laughs> um, and, but that was a such gold. a good, that's like an example of how to do a sequel that's good and artistic. Yeah. Um, it's like one of the few examples of a of when a franchise reboot is actually good because it's it is kind of a reboot it's not really a reboot um but it is in a way because you don't really need to watch the original you'll get some enjoyment out of it if you watch the original first but this one stands on its own but it's also a really good sequel at the same time yeah, but if I don't see the first one, how am you I should. supposed to know who Harrison Ford is? <laughs> um, they they kind of meant they they build it up in a. I mean, I don't need he to go into it, but Han they make Solo it to where like Blade you would kind of understand. But it's really good, and the thing that's cool about it is that the first Blade Runner didn't do well in the box office. It became a cult classic, but it's not Eventually, like yeah. it's not like twenty forty nine was not a cash grab, like. They weren't thinking that this is gonna make so the much idea money. Probably started. It's like, as dude, a cash let's make grab. a sequel to this movie that bombed in the eighties. That like a hundred people like. Yeah, but. Uh, and it became a cult classic, but now it thing, is popular, and yeah. so it easily could have been a cash grab. Yeah, it, just it, like it, uh, Total Recall. Was. Yeah, it influenced a lot of things, and I remember seeing the trailer and being like, "They're making Blade Runner like a stupid action movie," and like, there's good action bits in it, but. Out of a two-hour, 40-some-minute movie, there's, like, five minutes of action, maybe. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, well, there's also the fact that they, the marketing was so heavily, like, focused on Harrison Ford. 
Yeah. It just kind of seemed like... Which the director didn't want Harrison Ford to be in the advertising, but they said, no, Harrison Ford is Han Solo, and people know that, so they'll see this movie. Just like Robin Williams didn't want Disney to... And you watch the movie. Use him for Aladdin. (laughs) Yeah, for real. (laughs) Literally, yeah. And it's like you watch the movie, and how amazing it would have been to have that reveal that Harrison Ford is in it. Because he's not in it for like most of the... He's really not in it that much. There's no reason yeah. for him to be on the poster or the previews. But <laughs> Really? Not even the poster? Like the cover? Not, I mean, maybe, but he's not a main character. He kind of is. He's in it for like maybe 30 minutes, I would hmm. say. Um, but it's Did they even well. credit him at the beginning? Like, is there any credit sequence that they like At say, the beginning? No. And Harrison Ford. No, they don't have credits at the beginning. So of the they movie. were gonna leave it as like it a was, surprise. He directed it so that it would have been a surprise to people watching it, and mm. he was mad when they revealed him in the trailer to everyone. And you watch it, and it's like the way that he shows up in the movie, it's built up like it's supposed to be a surprise. So it's like, well, I know that's him. So it's kind of that's, but that's not the movie's fault. That's advertising. But I mean, still rewatching it, it's still a good scene building up to that. It doesn't flounder in any way, but just that surprise would have been nice. Yeah. So, screw Hollywood yeah. trying to ruin things. They taught us how to kill people. We should kill them. Marketing over uh, artistic integrity. And what's I funny think... is like Ryan Gosling can sell movies on his own. People love Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Like, although I'm not sure if uh, I mean, First Man as... did that well. Yeah. Did First Man do do really well? First, I think First Man, I think it did actually. Okay. I think it did pretty well. Okay. Well, but I think yeah. people were just into that because it's all oh, Neil Armstrong, you know. I think people were maybe, but more not into a whole lot of people are into historical movies. First Man was really good. It was really good, but I'm I'm very disappointed that you just thirty seconds ago you did not catch my intent at a segue when i referenced once upon a time in hollywood oh yeah i didn't even hear you when i said i talk about blade runner i'm gone talking about how hollywood (laughs) taught us how to kill people we should kill them oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) let's let's kill leonardo dicaprio (laughs) um so yeah let's talk about that actually yeah once upon a time in hollywood we were going to talk about in the last episode but we Kind of just ran off topic, and but that's what we do here. So now yeah, we're going to do that. Yeah, it's been a while since the first episode. Yeah, so long. So long. <laughs> in all truth, we decided we wanted to record another episode. And I know we said in the last episode that this whole podcast isn't going to be all about movies. And I know that seems like we're deceiving you right now. <laughs> but it just matters that we recorded both these episodes in one sitting, and we, yeah. we just have movies and, on our mind. Yeah, and we didn't want to have a two-hour episode, so we're just making two episodes. Yeah, so Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was really good. It was fantastic. Um, I think I... What did you score? I gave it... I gave it I a gave four. It, yeah, I gave it a four out of five, or a... I'm usually going to say 8 out of 10. I just automatically yeah, translate Yeah, for the record, 4 out of 5. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, I translate star ratings to out of 10, so 4 is an 8. A 4.5 is a 9. So I gave it an 8, I think. Um, and I am surprised to learn that this is Quentin Tarantino's most successful movie opening ever. Apparently. Yeah, well, we talked opening about that the last episode already. Oh, we did? Yeah. Yeah. And I talked about how... It probably was a lot of like Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt yeah. both in the same movie. I mean, those those actors, they're 
powerhouses. Oh, totally. Not only with their acting, but just like how popular they are. And they get both of them in the same movie. Yeah, and, like, and what's great? Forget about it. Exactly. <laughs> and what's great about them is that yes, they're big name celebrities that people will just go to see a movie because they're in it. But they're but it's also, also a Tarantino good. film. Yeah, but they're also just good, yeah. and their chemistry was. So good in this movie. You're... I was gonna say fantastic. <laughs> oh, okay. I, thought I you started were to say fantastic, but for some reason, I was like, I don't want to go like <laughs> That's fantastic. <reaching>. Yeah, <laughs> I I just felt like I didn't want to end. They're so here. good, and like yeah. I kind of while watching the movie, and even like with knowing about the existence of the movie before seeing it, I didn't take into account that both of those actors are. Tarantino veterans. Yeah, that's true. Um, Inglorious Bastards, Django. And Django Unleashed. Uh, wait, Unleashed. You always, I feel like you always do that. Every, do I? You've said You've said Django Unleashed at least twice before. I think I get mixed up with Sonic Unchained. Oh my gosh. Sonic Unleashed. <laughs> what a horrible, horrible <laughs> joke. I hate you. God. But, I don't know why I do that. Because I love, I love Django Unchained. It's a it great It is great, movie. yeah. But uh, it's interesting. Well... It makes sense because Tarantino does like to use a lot of the same. He's kind of like Tim Burton. Yeah, they both use a lot of the same. There's those uh, directors cast. who like their specific actor, like Wes Anderson, like says Bill Murray. Yeah, you I know? mean like, um, what's his name? Kurt. Uh, what's his? Kurt what's, Russell. Kurt Russell. Yeah, that's his name, right? Um, yeah, it is. It's Kurt Russell. Like he's been in so many. Um, Tarantino films, even ones that I haven't seen yet. Yeah. Um, like, he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He was in The Hateful Eight. Yeah. And he was in another one that I just... Um, is he in Kill Bill? I don't know, actually. I haven't seen He's Kill Bill in He's in one of so the long. earlier Tarantino films, but... It's uh, probably anyways. Kill Bill, um, which is probably tied for my favorite Tarantino movie. Um, I will say, I have... I'm catching up on my Tarantino... I have. Um, to, I still have a couple I need to watch. Yeah. I haven't seen Jackie Brown, and um, I think Jackie Brown. I think that's the one with Kurt Bur- uh, Russell. Oh yeah, that's probably it. Um, so there's. I need to watch that, and there's one other I haven't seen. It's one of his like older ones. Yeah, I've, I've only seen Inglorious Bastards, which is my favorite. Me too, actually. Film. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. Um, and I've seen, of course, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, Django Unchained. Um, uh, the Hateful Eight, which I want to watch the Netflix extended edition, uh, the the episodic release that they did. You didn't know about that? What? Yeah, there's an extended version of The Hateful Eight that they put into episodes. What? Yeah. What the heck? Yeah, Why I have I not heard of this? Yeah, well, like, Ralph the Movie Maker's been talking about it a lot. Really? And he says it's great because, wow. like, they expand more on the characters. What the heck? I'm, so, I'm like, because I, in terms of characters... It's not my favorite Tarantino movie. I love it, though. I don't get why people didn't like it. I love it. I, I think I like it more in Hollywood, but... Um, yeah. But I, I love it. I have a it, whole list, actually. And in terms of characters and character interaction, I mean, that's all that movie's about, really, because it's in one room, and yeah. that's, like, one of his best in terms of character writing, I feel like, and yeah, the dialogue. For most of the film, it so does more of seem that like, a, like a character... Um, Study. Which did you notice? Um, I can't remember the actor's name, but the dude who has the handkerchief and like he's a little chubbier and he has the long black hair. He was in Hateful Eight and yeah. he wore the exact same costume in that Wait, once. He did? In <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, when they showed him, it was like the same costume he wore in uh, J- uh, 
Hateful Eight. That's funny. It I was, did. I with did, like the handkerchief and I knew the hat that was him. and the gloves. I was like, he's wearing the same outfit. It's cool. Yeah. A little reference, I thought. I don't know if it was. I mean, I'm sure it was intentional. I just noticed that, like, oh, that's him. Yeah. That's the one that sounds like that he smoked. Yeah. For Ten years. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, uh, I really like that Tarantino does a lot of western stuff. Now. Yeah. It's like. Uh, like he and like the Coen brothers, I love it when they do like Western stu- yeah. style stuff. Um, these are my. I'm going to pull a Mitchell right now, and I'm going to <laughs> read off <laughs> pull a out list. a list. <laughs> yeah, um, and these are all the Tarantino films that I've seen. Um, so I know I'm going to get a lot of judgment, but number one is Inglorious Bastards. Yes. Number two. Is Reservoir Reservoir Dogs Reservoir, <laughs> which Reservoir. I saw for the first time a couple days ago. Nice, and I don't. I'm I like I posted about this on Twitter. I'm like I don't know why people don't talk about this movie. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it's one of his best. It's probably so amazing. It's a classic. Usually. It's I don't. I don't know, but it's like the people that I've been around, they never talk about Reservoir Dogs. The, I, Quentin Tarantino. I have such a hard time saying Reservoir. It is a weird word, Reservoir. <laughs> He's um tw- Tarantino. Twer- now I can't talk. <laughs> Twer- 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 <laughs> Tweety Bird is one of those directors where I feel like he makes a movie and everyone's focus goes to the newest movie from him that's out, and then they don't really talk yeah, much about the movie beforehand. They don't beforehand. do that with Pulp Fiction, though. Or Kill Bill. That's tr- Those are like his two... Even if they're not our favorites, those are definitely his two like most iconic movies easily. Um, uh, I don't. I would say Inglorious Bastards is well iconic more in popular ter- than Kill Bill. Well, it's I probably think. more popular, but in terms of like or even pop culture, film. I think more people know about Kill Bill and uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, like you show people those movie posters, they're like, "Oh yeah, like I'm, I haven't yeah. seen it, but I know that." You know, right. like everyone True. knows. Like yeah, not in terms of like the quality or how much people like it, but just in terms of public knowledge and pop culture references, like those are his probably two most iconic films. I would say. Gotcha. For sure. Well, anyways, I really loved reservoir dogs and I'm really glad that I've seen it. Yeah. Um, one thing that I will say before I move on with my list is that, um, one of the actors, the guy who plays, um, um, the boss's son. Uh-huh. You know, the guy who's, like, always in the blue jacket or whatever? Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know if it's if, how recent you've seen it, but... Mm-hmm. Um, that actor, the only other th- thing that I've ever seen him in was Beethoven's Second. Oh. You know, the movie of... Oh, <laughs> like the dog? Yeah. Now, someone has an evil plan. Puppies like that are worth big money. To break up this happy family. Kiss the puppies goodbye, sweethearts, because you're never going to see them again. And America's biggest dog star... You're not right, you little chihuahua, you. He's been nothing but trouble. ...is back to the rescue. Because this time... What kind of a person takes puppies from kids? She's a bad person, Dad. It's personal. Charles Grodin. I love this, right, Alice? Bonnie Hunt. Yes, honey, that's right. You're Mr. Fun. Beethoven's second. That's a lot of dogs. What? St. Bernard? That's the only other thing I've ever seen him in because, like, like, that's... Beethoven's second is, like, a family favorite. We, like, quote it a lot. <laughs> oh especially something that he... That actor says, because he's the bad guy. Oh. He's, like, 
well, his girlfriend is the real bad guy, and he's just kind of like a dumb, you know, whatever. Yeah. There's, because um, they're missing their dog, um, and like, because Beethoven fell in love with their dog, and they yeah. ran off. And they're like all freaking out about it, and there's a door, like someone knocks at the door, and that guy, he's like, that's, that's him. That's that's the dog, and she's like, "Doors, dogs don't knock, George." And my family quotes that line a lot. That's amazing. And I know it's not really that funny, but I just think it's so it's hilarious that like I see him and I'm like, "This is the Beethoven second guy." He's probably been in a bunch of other movies, yeah, before then. But anyway. Quentin Tarantino likes to take like kind of unknown or weird actors and give them good roles. I feel like, yeah, or he likes to take up washed up actors or something and give him a good role to shine which is another cool thing about him yeah um but yeah he's literally never i i think objectively rather rather you like his movies or not i think objectively he's never made a bad movie eh, i mean i have yet to say um if he makes a star trek movie that'll probably be the first movie by him i don't like because i'm gonna be a little star trek fanboy <laughs> i'm gonna be mad if it's like a stupid action like well, if it's a movie that feels like it should have just been a sci-fi movie and it just feels like they're slapping the Star Trek name on it. I'll be frustrated, but it was actually really funny. I, I'm kind of starting to gain some hope because he was apparently talking about or talking with JJ Abrams about it. And he was like, he's like, what's this? Like, I can't remember what they call it. Kelvin verse. He's like, what's the Kelvin verse? He's like, what's all like, yeah, no, this is stupid. He's JJ like, JJ Abrams was basically like, fine. Yeah. yeah. He's like, this is a bunch of crap. He's like, it's like just Benedict stu-. Cumberbatch was like, oh yeah. Dude, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. He's like, everyone hated that. Whatever. Like JJ Abrams <laughs> is like, everyone hated Benedict. It's fine. Like, he's like, do whatever. So I feel like maybe Tarantino kind of knows like what would make a good Star yeah. Trek movie. And I the think thing is, is that he's a good writer and Star Trek is about the writing and the new movies have never really had a good writer. Yeah. And I've heard rumors so. that he wants to, to, like stay in that like campiness of Star Trek and you know, know you know what kind of gave me more hope is that Hollywood was so and we'll get back to Hollywood but that was such a mature movie and mostly dialogue and well written and I'm like just yeah. make please please make a Star Trek <laughs> movie that has like a little action but it's not the focus right like and Hollywood was that it had some action parts but it's not an action it's a dialogue movie and I'm like if he can translate that style to like Star Trek I'm like that'd be great yeah That'd be so good. So part of me has hope. It, it's either going to be like, I think he'll either make a great Star Trek movie or a terrible one. <laughs> and either way, I'll try to shut my brain off and enjoy it for what it is. But I love Star Trek right now. I'm watching TNG again. And it's hard for me not to wince seeing how crappy Star Trek has become nowadays with just becoming a generic action sci-fi series when it's not that. And yeah. will, that's as much as I'll say because I'm going to... Well, it's like Mike from Red Letter Media always does, and I love it, but everyone always <laughs> complains about that. So, yeah, well, no as someone who's not as a huge Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. I, 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 um, how do I word this? I, I hope that you are also that you are satisfied, yeah, with turn because I think if whatever. he made a, a true to heart Star Trek movie, I think it would be. Like, he could just make an action one and a lot of people would like that. But if he made one that pleased Star Trek fans, I think if it was really well written, it would benefit a lot more people, too, that aren't into Star Trek. And maybe that would encourage people to watch the old shows and be like, oh, this is what it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
So yeah, but Hollywood. Um, well, wait, I had... still haven't finished my list. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll finish my list and then we'll go to a break. Okay. So um, good because I'm third. So Inglorious Bastards one, Reservoir Dogs two, Hateful Eight three. Um, it actually after I saw Dogs, I'm just gonna call it Dogs yeah. from now on. Uh, I was really like really hesitant to make it past Hateful Eight because I do love Hateful Eight yeah. a lot. But Dogs was just so good. I was like, yeah, there you go. So, yeah. but Hateful Eight is also really good. I love how yeah. it's like it's it's almost set out like a play, and I would love yeah. to see like a play adaption of it. I like movies that restrict themselves so that they're forced to do something more creatively. Like Twelve Angry Men is one of my favorite movies of all time. It takes place in one room the whole movie. Yeah, um, and Hateful Eight is. I mean, it goes outside of that cabin, but mostly the movie is just in that cabin, and right. that's awesome yeah so so uh number four would be django unleashed yeah (laughs) django unchained uh i love it's such a fun movie and what i don't really like jamie bell and a whole lot of jamie bell wait no you're 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 rolling with the names right now jamie (laughs) fox jamie fox jamie bell is another actor that i actually like uh jamie fox Mm. Uh, that's like one of the few things that I really like him in. Um, yeah, I he's been impressed with a whole lot of other stuff he's been in. Yeah, like it's even like I love Baby Driver, but he still kind of annoys me a little bit in that because he's, yeah. he's doing the Jamie Fox thing, you know. <laughs> and he's great. And Django was like a good role for him for sure. Yeah, and then uh, number five, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and number six. Now, hear me out. I saw this movie years ago. Um, and I had never really seen any Tarantino films before. I might have seen Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. But me and my brother watched it, and I was not fully focused on what was going on. Yeah. But it was Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And I've I've only I've I commonly hear that you have to see it more than once to really appreciate it. I'm on board with that still, statement. I still only had my first viewing, mm-hmm. and I have not had my second viewing yet. I literally stopped watching it the first time I saw it. Me and my friend we were watching it. We got bored and just stopped. We were like, I we were like, why do people love this so much? The second time I watched it, I was like, where was I the first time? <laughs> like, I really liked it, um, and it, it's still like not my favorite, but I, it's still probably up there for me. And yeah. Hollywood was the most Pulp Fictiony movie he's made since Pulp Fiction, which makes me gives me hope that I will because it is like just like Pulp a Fiction. dialogue movie, and it's about yeah. characters and separate things, and they all come together in some way. It's yeah. it's great. I just remember watching Pulp Fiction with my brother, and like it's opened up with like Samuel L. Jackson like shooting that guy. Yeah, and then the next thing i know um, they're talking about burgers. the guy and the girl are in the car yeah and then like next thing i know bruce willis is in the movie and i'm like what the heck where yeah, <laughs> and he's like getting it's... there's like this whole car chase scene or whatever that's literally all i remember about yeah it. and i remember i don't now that you've appre- now that you appreciate hollywood and like the structure and dialogue aspects of that i think you'll like pulp fiction more than you did for sure okay i it's, hope so and i can testify to it being better on a rewatch because I, I do hear a ton of people be like it was better the second and i don't know why that is but i think people they just have this idea that's going to be something else and then they watch yeah, they it don't and it takes them expect. off guard and then they give it another chance and they're like oh like, yeah so yeah well want to go to a break yeah I need let's to go to drink. a break Okay, we'll Break. be back. All the leaves are brown And the sky is gray I went for 
To my right is Bounty Law Series lead and Jake Cahill himself, Rick Dalton. And to my left is Rick's stunt double, Cliff Booth. So, Rick, uh, explain to the audience exactly what it is a stunt double does. Actors are required to do a, a lot of dangerous stuff. <laughs> Cliff here is meant to help carry the load. Is that uh, how you describe your job, Cliff? What, carrying his load? Yeah, it's about right. <laughs> My hands are registered as lethal weapons. We get into a fight, I accidentally kill you, I go to jail. Anybody accidentally kills anybody in a fight, they go to jail. It's called manslaughter. That was the best acting I've ever seen in my whole life. Thank you. Okay, so let's talk about the actual film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All right. I, I want to point out one thing about this movie that um, is groundbreaking. It's going to change the face of Hollywood. Feet. Oh. Everywhere. See... This is the most feet movie. I didn't realize until recently that apparently Tarantino has a thing with feet because yeah. everyone said it. I didn't notice it. Honestly. I wonder if he did it to mess with people. I, at this point, I but wouldn't he be surprised. Totally has a foot fetish, like you can tell. It's I I honestly never noticed it. Ever since someone made the joke, I watch his movies and I'm like, there is always like a foot scene. In this movie, it's like in your face, like, and they're all dirty and gross and nasty. And that's I'm how like, he he's. Likes I, it. I think he's. <laughs> I'm like, oh, is he messing with people at this point? Like, he has to know. Um, I have a feeling. I want. I want someone to cut together like a clip you know the interview where the lady's like why so much violence and he's like because yeah. it's fun jan <laughs> yeah. why the need for so much gruesome graphic violence why not let us imagine because it's so it. much fun jan get really? it oh, i want really? someone to be like why I, do you, I want someone to have like an edited version where they're like why so much feet and he's like <laughs> yeah. because it's, it's fun jan <laughs> I like feet. You want it. Why the need for so much feet? Why not let us imagine because a little Because it's so it? much fun, Jan. Get it? I reject your hypothesis. I reject your hypothesis. <laughs> well, I just reject your God. hypothesis. Tarantino is such an interesting character. I, I almost don't like him as a person in real life, but I don't really, I think he's a lot of fun. I don't really care. He's a hoot. He's I, funny, but I like if, him. if I met him, I feel like he would annoy me, but he's entertaining, to say the least. I mean, he has good company around him all the time. With yeah. These great actors. He, he makes good movies, so I don't care. And maybe that makes me a bad person, that I don't <laughs> care if the person in real life is a jerk, but... Do you know he actually... Um, well, to acts. an extent, like, obviously. Do you know he actually acts in Dogs? Yeah. He's, like, one of the... He's in a... He's in a he has a role in Pulp Fiction, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wait, he's the guy that Samuel L. Jackson messes up. Yeah. Yeah, um, I do remember that. Yeah. But that's, like, one scene, though. Yeah, totally. But, anyways, um, yeah, there's feet in Hollywood. 
Yeah, feet. <clears throat> I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I don't really have a thing with feet that I noticed it <laughs> a whole lot. Um, I only noticed it because people commented about it. But this movie, I wasn't really thinking about it, but this movie, I literally was like, there's been a lot of feet close-ups in this movie, foot close-ups. No. Um, I didn't know that it was a thing until after I watched Hollywood. Yeah. And um, I watched Inglorious Bastards again, and... I was like, I had that on my mind. Yeah. And then there's the scene where Christoph Waltz is taking off the the blonde lady's shoe. And yeah. I was like, oh, maybe this is a, a foot scene. But it really didn't focus on her foot yeah. all that much. And so I was like, oh, okay. So there's it, no feet stuff in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, I'm halfway convinced Only he shoe stuff. did it to like, screw with people in this movie. Because he, yeah. he knows people always like joke about <laughs> the foot. And maybe he actually does, but maybe he's like, I'm really going to shove it in their face this time. <laughs> I'm going to make everyone have a foot fetish. <laughs> <laughs> and when everyone has a foot fetish... <laughs> but if anything, this one would like, do the opposite. No one will have one. Because like, dirty gross slimy feet on a windshield don't make me want to have a foot i mean i just noticed that those those characters those girls were just dirty in general yeah they're just hippies but apparently dakota fanning was in this movie and i haven't seen her in anything since like war of the worlds (laughs) but i I, uh Coraline. Coraline, i believe was after war of the worlds um i I saw her i was looking for her because i was like i don't really recognize I mean, she's a lot older now, so that's probably why. But I was like, I, I don't really know what. I was knew her. that she was in it, and for a while, I thought she was the brunette. And I was like, wow, she's changed. But then she actually came on. And I was like, oh, there she is. Yeah, she was instantly recognizable for me. I don't know why, because I still I haven't I seen a whole lot out of her, and I never really had a moment. I was like, oh, there she is. I just like was like, oh yeah, she's in this. And then wait, I do forgot. you still not know? No. <laughs> oh, she was the chick who um, was looking after the old guy, mm. who was like. He's okay. sleeping right now. Gotcha. You don't want to be bothered. I kind of maybe thought that was her, but I was like, which is no. weird because that like that's the sm- one of the smallest roles, and yeah. she got like a I don't know. She's not in anything. I, that's what Quentin does. He kind of likes to take actors that were in a lot of stuff, but maybe weren't recently, and he'll like yeah. put them put them in his movies so that they can do something. I think <laughs> the last I think the last thing I ever saw Dakota Fanning in was this weird superhero type uh movie i don't even I know, like I know what you're talking about call they they're like all these it's like a mutant type x-men type of thing where they're like oh, these certain people yeah. who have these gifts mm-hmm. i think they're like i don't remember what it was called but it was weird it was not good i feel like the last movie i saw around was honestly the tom cruise war of the worlds and i remember she was like in the twilight movie but i never saw that that she was and the one she was. Oh in. really? Is she she a played vampire? like the evil character in like one of the last movies, I think. I have not seen any of the Twilight films. Um <laughs> The first one is hilarious. Yeah. Matt and I uh People Matt say that the made. first one is the best. It's it's the one that I can watch and not be miserable. Oh, okay. Because it's so bad and hilarious. <laughs> but it also has a good soundtrack. I like the songs in it. It has Paramore and Muse and Mute Math and oh, yeah, Iron and Wine. It has like good artists in it. Like yeah. really good. It has my favorite song of all time in it. Probably because that's what was kind of mainstream at the time was just yeah. indie music. Like, yeah, it was like... It was know, like a time in t- 2010 
where people thought that... It was music for all the emo kids who weren't emo anymore. Yeah. Basically. Well, there was a time that everyone thought, oh, indie music is going to be the new mainstream. Yeah. And then it didn't. It died out. Yeah. I mean, rightfully so. It. Um, I don't want indie music to be mainstream. <laughs> yeah. I want it to remain indie. But anyways, back to Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, I, I really loved it. I remember watching it and being like... This, I mean, this movie's okay. I'm really enjoying these characters. Yeah. But, like, like this is a Tarantino going? film? Like, what's... There's nothing, a whole lot going on. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's probably just going to be, like, end up being one of my least favorite Tarantino films. I can't remember having that thought yeah. about an hour. Like, about, it was a little over halfway through the movie, and I remember thinking that, too. I was like, this might be one of my least favorites. I feel like it's not... I, I kind of felt like the movie was going to end with nothing insane really happening. It like, seemed like it was going to not end. Not that I was like, like, I need a big act. I would have been fine with no action scene, which, spoilers, by the way, but we'll get into that. But even without that, I was like, I don't really know what the overarching plot of this movie is, but it's because... It I, doesn't really have one, technically. Yeah, in It te- has like a subplot that eventually yeah. becomes the, fina- the finale of the movie. And it, it's, it's kind of interesting because it's storytelling because it's assuming that you know about, you know, the uh, Manson family, whatever. Yeah, the, Sharon Man- Tate. Charlie Manson, or... Sharon Tate. Um, it kind of assumes you know about all that. And if you don't, you'd probably be like... Uh, which I... Which I, I wasn't I really thinking about that either. I like I knew about those, but watching this... I, I know about Charles it, Manson, honestly. but they didn't even refer to him as Charles Manson. They called him Charlie. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it's just some dude named Charlie who's like leader of yeah. this like weird hippie I wish group. I would have refreshed... I knew about them, but I wish I would have refreshed myself because then it probably would have made the film more like, oh man, I'm expecting, you know... Margot Robbie's gonna get murdered. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know about the Sharon Tate murders. Which, honestly. if you noticed, um, you know the scenes where they're putting like Leonardo DiCaprio. They're kind of editing him into these old movies. Yeah, the one where, um, which people have discussed why they did it this way, but when Margot Robbie, her character Sharon Tate, obviously is in the theater watching her movie, it that's not Margot Robbie edited into the movie. Yeah, that's actually Sharon Tate. I think I just convinced myself that it. Like, my mind was like, oh, that's supposed to be Margot Robbie. Yeah. And it, I thought it was. Yeah, for a sec- I thought it was at first, too, which means they just cast really well. But it's mainly, I I think maybe it was because of, I don't know, maybe it's because she was murdered. And I think they wanted to pay homage yeah, to I her. Yeah, I heard Red Letter Media mention, like, because uh, I watched a review, and they're like, maybe they, because she was murdered, they wanted to, like... Well, because the family was in some homage. way involved in the film. Maybe they would have felt and, weird about her being... In fact, this movie was out. supposed to come out earlier. They postponed oh. it because they they wanted to release it on the anniversary of the murder, mm. and the family was like, maybe don't do that, yeah. and so they pushed it ahead. Um, so good, I wouldn't be surprised call. that maybe the family was like, oh, why would you replace Sharon... Yeah, Tate. and it, it's like she was murdered. Maybe with Harley it, Quinn. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably a, a more like respectful to be like, yeah, she was murdered. It's like this yeah. is actually her, and she looks enough like Margot Robbie that it didn't really distract me. But I didn't notice after. I honestly, I was convinced. I don't know what it yeah, was, but so I think I, my mind was like, oh, she must have like makeup on or yeah. whatever. But I feel like if I, I wish I would have refreshed myself on this is what the movie was actually about. Because then the whole time I've been like, oh yeah, like she she's gonna get murdered at the end of this movie, and then she doesn't, and I feel like that would have impacted it a bit more. But that doesn't detract from the movie at all. Because now that I know that, it makes the movie better for me. And 
I think it says a lot about the movie that since I wasn't really paying attention to the fact that it was basically a different take on the Manson murder. Um, yeah. The fact that I still liked it despite not really connecting it with that for some reason. Yeah, honestly, I know I said earlier that I wish I did know about what was going on. I'm actually glad I didn't because that made the whole finale such a surprise. Yeah. Because people who do know Sharon Tate, they're like, oh, she's like, there's... They're going to show, like, them breaking in and, like, murdering yeah. her. But, like... Um, she was pregnant. She was four months pregnant in real life when she got murdered. And she was pregnant yeah. in the movie. And it's like, we got to watch, like... It's kind of like... You would have been anxious. like. But I, I wasn't I wasn't waiting for that at all. Yeah. Honestly, when they were, like, showing the whole, like, montage of Leonardo DiCaprio being in all those Italian, Italian films... Yeah. Uh, I thought, like, oh, okay, it's just going to end here. Yeah. But then Kurt Russell starts narrating it and he's like and so and so was at this place at this time I'm like wait. Yeah, it was like what I was is, watching one of those what is like, going on. It was like I was watching one of those like um It was like an untouchables episode. Like a uh whatever those like things on TV or like the little mini documentary things yeah. or whatever whatever they're called, I don't know. Um murder night shows where it's like and then it was ten thirty three PM when this you know, whoever arrived and, you know, it kind of gave it that kind of vibe and it was like, Oh man, it's about to happen. Um, and it doesn't inglorious bastards to where it takes a different take on history. And it almost, it makes the title of this movie make a lot more sense once upon a time in Hollywood. Cause it's like a, it's like more of a fairy tale version of this where it's like, yeah, it takes the, a more ridiculous, like, ideal approach of what should have happened. It's like, once upon a time in Hollywood. <laughs> Where the hero gets high it's on like LSD a true, true and story. saves the day. Yeah, and it's a true story that he inserts fictional characters into, and he alters, he makes an alternate history with what actually yeah. happened, which is what he did with Inglourious Bastard. It's like, they killed Hitler earlier than he actually died in real life, and... I th- yep. Now that I reflect on it, I'm like, that's so cool. And these horrible people that murdered Sharon Tate when she was pregnant in real life. It's like spitting in their face. They make fools out of them. And it's yeah. great. Like, they <laughs> get the ever-living crap <laughs> beat out of them. I love and that it was, scene so much. As soon as he, what, he threw, like, a can of beans at her face. <laughs> and her face is, like, dented in. And she's, like, on the... I was like, this is probably the most grounded, like, violence he's done. Because it's not, like, guns and people flying. But it was the most brutal. Yeah, he's, it, like, taking the girl's face and, bashing and smashing it. it into the mantelpiece. Yeah. And... It was so brutal. I, I like, the intense. whole, the whole, like, uh, fight scene, the whole fight part with Brad Pitt, I love that. And I love how he's, like, tripping out on LSD. And yeah. he's, like... And, and they do hysterics. a good job but, of setting that up because it's like, this guy beat up Bruce Lee. Yeah. It's like, he's clearly... Possibly yeah. killed his wife. We don't know. He's clearly, like, insane. Like, yeah. Insanely well, yeah, talented he's, he's and He's not, fighting, like, crazy, you know? but he's, like, yeah. really good. But I also just love it when Leonardo or um, uh, Rick Dalton, yeah. might I say... Grabs the freaking yeah. flamethrower. That was this is what I love I just, about this movie, and <laughs> um, this and this is when I talk about movies like having things throughout, and then it like doesn't come back, and it's like, oh, what was the point of that? This movie, it's like they they showed the scene with him with the flamethrower, and he mentions how he got to keep it, and they show the scene where this guy beats up Bruce Lee, and they bring it back at the end of the movie in the most hilarious like. 
which it's almost twisted to say it's hilarious because it was messed up. But I think the reason but, we I find mean, it humorous is because these people are horrible and we enjoy seeing what we wish honestly, they should have gotten. You know? I don't know if I would have done any different. Yeah. Some girl, <laughs> some, somebody breaks into my house and is like, has a knife and like is yeah. In the middle screaming of night, wildly. Two, I'm like, yeah, and they're like, I got a flamethrower. I'm going to get. Yeah, it's like. I just love how Leonardo. Well, Rick Dalton is just so. He, like, has no idea anything's going on. And then she's like, what? What? And yeah, she's, like, yeah. trying to, like, stab him. And he's like, what? And it's, it's like, clearly I'm going to go get my flamethrowers. Yeah. <laughs> his first thought is to get his. I love that. And it was. The camera work was kind of similar to, like, the movie part, too, where it, like. It was so good. You heard? Did you hear me when I, I was clapping yeah. in the theater when that I was, happened? I feel like other people did. Everyone in the theater. I couldn't was tell. Like, it was so loud. Everyone was so hyped during that. That was a great like crowd. I feel like, in a movie where two people. people beside us fell asleep. Yeah, and then everyone's just like, "Oh my god!" But it made the build up and like all the little hints throughout the movie. Like, it tied everything together yeah. really nicely. It gave everything in the movie purpose, and it paid off in a way to where it's like, I would gladly rewatch it. Yeah, just it so, has that ending where you're like, I want to watch it again. Yeah, and it's not one of those times where it's like, I know what's happening and what's going to happen. Why would I rewatch it? Now it's like, I know it's going to happen, so now it's like going to be more fun to get to that point. Because yeah. you get a, I don't know. But they built it, they, they brought everything back in a clever way. Um, like, it, if they wanted to have... Um, you know, hinted at that, um, you know, Rick Dalton's stunt double was kind of like, you know, a martial artist and like really strong and talented. And, you know, they show him like jumping on to the roof and he fights Bruce Lee and stuff. If he wouldn't have done anything like that throughout the movie and suddenly he's just beating people up, it would have been like, I mean, it still would have been fun, but I would have been like, (laughs) what? But this movie, they kind of hint towards that and then they give him a reason for having a flamethrower it's, it's <laughs> clever it's it's well written without sacrificing logic and fun right you know? and i like i love that about it yeah so, and it's and it's one of those things where it's like it's not like the movie would have sucked without action in it but it's just clever the way they bring everything together and it was just a small part of the movie and if the whole movie would have been that it probably wouldn't have nearly been as good obviously um, and it's funny how he was able to make such a mature, grounded movie and then logically fit in his cra- typical craziness near the end to where yeah. it like, kind of made sense, but it still stood out, but it, it's like in a contrasting way, not in a obnoxious way. Yeah, and so. it's like for like avid Tarantino fans like me who were just like waiting for all the crazy stuff to happen yeah it's like tarantino was just like not nah, just wait just i was, wait, I was wait. honestly going into this movie expecting no action scenes it's like I yeah thought i had given up honestly gonna, yeah i thought the only action was going to be from the movie parts you know well there was also the scene with brad pitt and the one dude who slashed his tires oh right yeah i was like okay that's about as crazy it's gonna get i yeah. guess and I thought maybe there was, you know, boy, were we wrong. Shootout, but it, it was really cool. And um, that's my favorite kind of writing where um, it, it's not obvious where it's going, but then you can look back and be like, oh, yeah, they did, like, you know, hint at things that were to come in a way. Like, yeah, 
you know, they didn't just introduce things for no reason not to bring them back. Like they introduced things about these characters that were relevant later on. And, right. and then it ends, it's kind of like bittersweet now. Cause it's like, um, ends with Rick Dalton, you know, he talks to his neighbor and it's like, Oh, it's this glimmer of hope. Like he'll be able to finally be in movies. He wants to be in. He's talking to his director neighbor and they go and it's Sharon Tate and she's not dead, you know? Yeah. And it's like, Oh, it's like a, well, world, yeah, a, a world where she survived and like how different would things have been if like that movie star wouldn't have died back then it's like interesting and that's well, what i, I like I mean, about rick dalton is a fictional well character, yeah but so, it, it, uh... <laughs> i mean oh yeah obviously but the aspect of um uh sharon tate not dying and like right. her kid you know what if her kid would have grown up to be like you know it kind of opens these doors to like what could have been if you know that one and happens. wasn't the the kid was uh what's his name's kid right uh the director yeah i can't remember his name right now but i should and i'm gonna feel stupid when i remember it but um he i don't know we could have had another great director on our hands yeah exactly um what's his name i keep on wanting to say marlon brando but it's not <laughs> um yeah it's just like could have had more it's a similar there. name i'm just gonna look up because like it's it's crazy to think about stuff like that because like imagine a world where maybe um like the Titanic comes out and Roman Polanski. Yeah, that's it. It's like think of a world, let's fast forward a bit, think of a world where um which this wouldn't happen because they wouldn't be hanging out at a house together probably Aww. just for fun. But um imagine it's like, okay, Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, he's a young actor, he's in the Titanic, he's hanging out with James Cameron and they both get murdered. It's like think of the world today without either of them. Yeah. There'd be no aliens, there'd be I mean, I don't love Avatar, but there wouldn't be an Avatar. There wouldn't be a lot of movies without James Cameron. There would be a lot of... We would have no Avatar land. We would be missing a lot of performances without Leonardo DiCaprio. It's like... That's true. Because it's like he was in Titanic, and maybe people back then were like, he's the best actor ever, but maybe back then people weren't like, Sharon Tate isn't the best actress ever, but you you never know what she could have gone on to do. And it's it's fascinating to think of um, what you know, uh, the Mansons took away from Hollywood. Yeah. So. I just saw, um, on, on Google, she's credited in once upon a time in Hollywood. Oh really? So that's well, technically sense, her yeah. last film. Yeah. True. That's so cool. It's cool. Is Roman Polanski still alive? I don't know. Yeah. He's still alive. Nice. Huh? Yeah. I, every time I, I think about the real life aspects of this movie. Oh, he directed The Pianist. Oh, yeah. That's like apparently a fantastic movie. That is a good movie. It's been on my watch list for a long time. It's really good. I really want to watch it. But um, yeah, it's I like movies that make me think about real life. And I like when movies, which they don't come out that often. And right now I'm only thinking of the Tarantino movies and Glorious Bastards and um hollywood but i like movies that take things that happen real in real life but they put a fictitious twist on it or it's yeah. like what if it would have happened this way you know <laughs> what if what if it's fun to think of so yeah because like you watch inglorious bastards and you're like they're gonna try to kill hitler and you're like oh they're they're obviously not yeah. gonna get them because like, oh know, and then they them. do what? and then they do and you're like holy crap yeah it's like what and it's like so satisfying yeah <laughs> and and that's what i love about it. it's like it's these horrible people that everyone hates and they're awful and we want the worst for them. And these movies give that to us. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe that's a little twisted to want that, but 
they deserve it. So. Although, do you remember that episode of Dark Tourist? Um, the show on Netflix, mm-hmm. David Faria. Wasn't there an episode where there was a guy who was like, um, he was like friends with Charles Manson? Yeah. And he like he defended like, him, sort of. He was of. like, he's such a nice guy. Yeah. It was, that episode was weird. He didn't mean to do all the stuff. And then like David Faria is like, oh, okay. Was that <laughs> sure. the. No, the first episode was that one was Pablo Escobar or something. No, ask me. No, not him. Some other like really famous person that was killed a lot of people, and all these people kind of worshipped him, and it was weird. And he talked to the guy who like was his assassin. Yeah. Um, it's weird. Um, it's a great show. Shout out to Dark Tourist. Go yeah, watch check it, it out. It's, it's on Netflix. And Tickled. Watch all his stuff. He's great. Oh yeah, Tickled. That's on Amazon Prime. I think it's for free. I don't know. Probably. I don't know. I should know. I have an Amazon Prime account. Yeah. Once Upon a Time but, in Hollywood was great, and go see it because Tarantino is one of the most popular directors still making really great original movies with yeah. good writing. He's not like Steven Spielberg making yeah. Ready Player One. And I, I just want to shout out to the environment and the the location. I was going to say the same thing. Because this recreated the, design... the 60s, so like details of just looking at the buildings and everything like you you i was looking at some behind the scenes footage and it's like how he gets hundreds of old cars and he yeah. sets up real like blocks and it's so much effort yeah and it's so it's, it's so real looking it was so, like as like, opposed to other like period films yeah where like it just looks like they're outside for 20 seconds and then they're indoors conveniently for, yeah like, the rest of, it's like this movie a lot of it is just and they did this to show off these sets. But yeah, you see like all those driving. scenes with Brad Pitt just driving around. Yeah, and, and those <laughs> were the parts where any other movie that would annoy me, but in this one, it gave me a chance to appreciate the filmmaking aspect and the environments that they created, recreated, I guess. Um, and I loved that. And so much effort was put into it. And I feel like Tarantino makes really honest films. I think he still strictly makes movies on film. He does. Yeah, he, I don't think he shoots digitally at all. No. Um, he's like, a purist. Yeah, he's super purist, and he has visions, and he doesn't let anyone get in his way, and I appreciate that. Yeah. And I'm going to be really sad if he actually only does have one more movie left, because I don't want one of the last honest, honest-to-God directors to disappear and stop making movies. It would be a shame if his last movie is Disney. Star Trek, and it flops that would be weird i i hope that's like a bit of a spinoff for him if that makes sense because all of his movies are like original with his own things and it would feel weird for him to be directing a movie off another universe that is already established yeah it wouldn't feel like a tarantino movie because his movies are always like his own stories his own i I don't know maybe based off real things but i could see him making a star trek I yeah. can see a Star Trek in his style. Yeah. But, like um, a, a grounded, well-written thing, I think. Yeah. Could be up his alley. I, I don't think he'll make it. Now, I mean, there's movies like Pulp Fiction and Hollywood now to where I can trust that he would make a grounded, like, dialogue-driven film. Yeah. And that's what I want, and I hope he does that. Have you ever seen Sin City? Uh, a long time ago. I didn't know he co-directed that. Oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, um... I think it was a whole collaborative effort from a bunch of different directors. Yeah. I may be wrong. Let me look that up. And then, uh, and then we'll get going. For sure. Um, wait. Okay. So 
Robert Robert Rodriguez, um, Frank Miller, and Quentin Tarantino. All oh, three nice. of them directed it. Um, huh. I have not seen. I always forget he was involved in that. If I'm being honest. Well, I had no idea. I think I knew that Robert Rodriguez directed it. I've I've not seen Sin City, but I know it's like the black and white. Yeah, uh, it's pretty action, good. I don't like, love it. Nor that's good. I like the style of it. I never saw the second one because it was stupid. Yeah, but apparently, like that's counted as one of his films. I think of his nine, uh, really. Oh wait, I don't think so. Wait, why does Letterbox say that he directed eighteen films? There probably there's probably some like shorts. Like, oh yeah, my best friend's birthday. It includes like yeah, like there's some directors I'm like, oh he's only done five movies. And I go on Letterboxd and it says twenty, and then all of them. Oh are yeah, like there's five a five minute things. There's a twelve minute Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, it'll include shorts. Or it was a sun. Even, it was like a Sundance film. Or it'll whatever. even include like commercials. I'm pretty sure. Well, let's see: Pulp Fiction, Glorious Bastards, Django, Kill Bill, Hateful Eight, Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill Two, Jackie Brown. That's eight. Hollywood, Sin Nine. City. So Death Sin City Proof. would be ten, but he's only really done. But nine. there's Teth, Death Proof, and What's Grindhouse. That? I don't know what those are. That's also another Robert Rodriguez collaboration. Yeah, I I I don't think they count collaborations because that's not like his movie because like it's like the ninth film by okay, Quentin so Tarantino. Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Well, I guess I wonder what Death Proof is then. Does it say how long it is? Yeah, it's 113 minutes. Oh. Two, three, Maybe four. he doesn't count Kill Bill as two films? Maybe not. I don't know. Kill Bill pretty much is just one movie. It's volume That's what one. I've been it's, told. It's like watching Lord <coughs> of the Rings. Like You can't just watch one because it's literally just one long movie. Split into yeah. So I wonder. I don't know. I'll have to look into that. I remember uh, in behind the scenes of The Two Towers, um, Elijah Wood's like, yeah, a lot of my friends were like, yeah, I really love The Lord of the Rings, but I didn't really love how it ended. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's more coming. There's literally... It's not the end. Eight more hours. <laughs> it's going to be okay. <laughs> and this is not the end. We will have more episodes of this podcast. Darn right. <laughs> thought that was a great way to wrap it up. Yeah. I I want to make a personal promise that our next episode is not going to be about movies. It'll probably be about music. I want to talk about music. Yeah. We should talk about... Um, no, sh- I guess it's better. We should sh- talk about... No, we, we'll just talk. keep it a surprise. Okay. <laughs> music that came out this year. <laughs> Gosh dang it. Darn right. Well, we'll I mean, we haven't really agreed, so... Yeah, well, we're, we're <laughs> really just going to wing it. We didn't plan any of this. It's not scripted or formatted. We're just talking with a microphone in front of us, coincidentally, yeah. so... That's all it is. Yep, so... We would be saying these same words if we weren't being recorded right now, and we were just talking about movies, so... Absolutely. Just a little look into our sad, <clears throat> depressing lives. I'm, maybe you, but... <laughs> I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm having a great life. <laughs> Um, go check us out. Thanks for listening to Podwood Forecast. Follow us on Twitter. Me, Clifford Close, uh, at Clifford Close, but the I is replaced with a one. And Mitchell at Mitchell Music. <coughs> Mitchell Musics. Music. Plural. One cool. word. Check out Sherwood Forest. 
on Spotify and Facebook and all the other books. And uh, we'll, we'll talk at you in the next episode. So I, I stole that from Rhett and Link. They say that on their podcast. Oh, yeah. Where they're like, we'll talk at you next week. We'll talk at you next week. Talk at your faces. Um, have a wonderful life. Farewell. Bye. Bye.